surprised that it'll ever get any less fucking shaky. <laughs> Welcome back to Speak. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Okay, welcome back to Speak. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about blame, shame, and accountability. It's a big one. Mm -hmm. Heavy. (laughs) Yeah. So many notes on your side. Oh, I'm like, can you hear my pages? (laughs) I wouldn't mind. Okay, so this was your topic. You picked this topic, so... Take me on the journey. What is it? What do you want to speak about when it comes to blame and accountability? Suppose it was on my <clears throat> it was on my list when we first started talking about this podcast and it being about stuff that really matters to us in terms of our profession and then <clears throat> anything else that matters to us. See, one of the things that pisses me off the most, I would say, in our profession, other than not getting the basics right, which drives me bonkers. And maybe we should do a podcast about that. The basics. What are they? There's only four. Please just do your fucking job. Just, just report it, investigate it, find the root cause, remove it. It's fine. You don't have to do anything else. You just have to do four things. Anyway, <laughs> rant over. Um, it's the the journey that I very often see go on in organizations around removing away from blame or addressing if you've got a blame culture, what is blame and what is accountability. And it's that whole piece about is blame necessary? What is accountability? Is it the same as blame? How does it factor into things like exit investigation and in safety and when looking at human behavior? And I thought there's just so much in it that we might as well bang it on the list um, and start talking about it. And suppose I I wrote a couple of notes and I'm going to also share some work that I did on trying to really think about accountability over blame as we go in. But Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, if I was going to write some bullet points on blame, I would write and then see what you think about this because of all the notes. So many notes. Uh, I put, so I put my, my first bullet point was blame blocks culture. It seems to hold this real feeling, this sort of attachment to fear. Like if I get it wrong, I will get the blame. Mm -hmm. And then I thought it's interesting because it's not, that it doesn't, it's not that you're not scared of accountability. Accountability can feel very heavy. But I think the core difference is blame is a bit of a blanket, whereas accountability is about your ability, what was in what was within your gift to do, and what did you execute versus what you were capable of executing in that circumstance and context. So I think blame, this shame feeling, blame and shame all like mixed into one. I think it really um, has a lot to do with fear, which is why it blocks culture progression. Um, I also think blame doesn't address a cause, a proper root cause. It could be Bob. I always call everybody Bob. Just, you know, wants to sabotage everything and it is his fault that things go wrong and he shouldn't be there. But, I mean, that's so few and far between. It. That's like the proportion of humanity that is a Bob that's just like wants to watch the world burn hashtag Batman, um, <laughs> right, is, is small. I don't think blame, the way that I have seen an organisation, ever addresses real root causes of why something has happened. And it feels individual. It's whose fault is it? Is it your fault? Is it their fault? And it just sort of, the buck stops there rather than what's underneath it. 
have we assessed if they were set up for success? What's the culture? Would somebody else have done the same thing? I don't think it's fair just to look at one guy and said, yep, he broke the rule, sack him. Like that whole blame thing I think sucks and isn't healthy in the workplace. Um, and then, yeah, I suppose, I mean, thoughts so far before I go any further, doesn't aggress root cause, think it's wrapped in blame, there's lots of shame to do with it. Feels like a bit of a buck stop and an easy get out when you're looking at something that's gone wrong. Yeah. Um, this is all a very new view of you, I have to say. I just have to put that out there. <laughs> I love it. I love I love it. Never read a book about it. Never seen a podcast. Never done nothing about it other than, okay, if that's it, then I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for those who follow, I suppose, the kind of human and organizational performance stuff and the hop principles, one of the hop principles is that blame fixes nothing. Nice. I, to- I totally agree. And I'm not sure if I do. Yeah, I love it. Go on. It's like <laughs> blame. Maybe it doesn't, it doesn't fix things, but it certainly scratches an itch. And I think that it's... Okay, all of the things. Blame stifles conversations. It drives information underground. It doesn't make organizations better. You know, another thing of, I don't know who it was, Decker or Conklin or whichever one of those lads, but it's like you can blame or punish or you can learn and improve and you can't do both. I agree with that. I just don't know about the practicality of entirely removing blame Mm. because it is there's something so human about it and I was reading up on this because I knew we were going talking about it and actually I was thinking about um, Simon Casson and his whole like philosophy angle and all this stuff and I ended up down this rabbit hole about moral blame and organizational blame I was like mind fucking blown (laughs) Um, and how re- like can they be the same thing? But like blame, I guess, really, like it's a sanction that's kind of socially useful. Like that's what it's used for to keep people in line, to keep people in check. Um, and it's faster than accountability. Yeah, it is. So, like it, it is the easy sure, option. But easily executed. Yeah. So like, oh, yeah, I but. So I don't like blame doesn't fix anything. Does it serve a purpose from a human standpoint? It probably does. But from an organizational standpoint, probably not. But then like I was thinking back to I've worked in businesses before where it's like you have 24 hours to turn around your root cause analysis and submit it to the senior leadership team. 24 fucking hours. So guess what answer I'm going to come up with? Fucking Bob. (laughs) Bob again as usual fucking well 88% of all fucking incidents are caused by human errors that's Bob like this these are the things that just go around in our profession unchallenged which is why we always end up at Bob yeah and blame but yeah I just um but I don't know that we can I don't know that we can get rid of it altogether because you can have policies around it and you can kind of set it up so that it's like a no blame culture and oh, fucking, I don't know we throw the word culture around but like 
can you really suspend blame? Because there will be there will be an impact of it, whether it is withdrawal of goodwill or cooperation, whatever. Somebody will always blame someone. So I think I think can you get rid of it? I think the reality is no, because it's definitely a human reaction. And I, I mean, even heard it really, really recently in a place that I was really surprised to hear it. it was like, do we know whose fault it is yet? And you're like, oh, oh yeah. Because we already know it's going to be a person. It's already know it's going to be a person. And and I think I was just thinking that it's a journey. And the whole point about equipping people with tools at the beginning of these journeys and skilling people and creating better conversations is to try and block the automatic knee jerk of humanity, which is like, whose fault is it? Mm. And I mean, we did, I don't, I refuse to get massively embedded in politics. It makes me really angry, but you know, it's very, if you're not angry. You're not listening, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so and I am angry. So maybe I'm hearing enough and just upset by all of it, but it's, you think no matter who is in office or who's in 10 downstream, who's it, it's, it's their fault. Who's, and it's a magnitude it's a cabinet, it's lots of things, it's policy, it's background, it's embedded in everything that's come before it. But yet mm-hmm. we say it's Boris Truss, Cameron, you know, John Major, it was Margaret Thatcher, like whatever. It's whoever, all the names you listed out. I'm like, it absolutely was them. It really was them. <laughs> As I was saying, I was like, all the people that made absolutely crappy decisions. All those, yeah. The amount of people that were endorsed to make crappy decisions, mm, right? Yeah. And I think the knee jerk of Bob, which I've in my head's gone, blame it on Bob. Um, I, I think the reason we try and have these better conversations, the reason we have things like fairness decision trees is to say, oh, we know that you want to just say it's Bob. Mm. Get it? And I'm going to respect the fact that that's human nature. What I have to do in the beginning is say, can we discuss this in a different way? Because I think the minute we allow the buck to stop at Bob, for everyone that's listening, if your name is Bob, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sure you didn't do it. <laughs> I, I think I think blame prevents accountability. Because if I think of a really big, important person sat around a big board table and then a big incident happens and they say, do we know whose fault it was yet? And they say, yes, actually we do. It was Bob. And he goes, great. Okay, cool. Is that sorted? Is Bob still here? No, but Bob doesn't work here anymore. Or Bob's been (laughs) warned or whatever it is. We can all just go, cool. That big boss doesn't have to say, what were the surrounding factors? What were we doing on overtime at that time? What was the fatigue level in the operation? What are the customer demands at the moment? How competent was that? And all the questions that are back at me, as the owner of that business unit or whatever, the blame being quickly dished out stops me having to ask real questions about how accountable I am. So it's actually really, it's great, I think, as a senior leader, if you have a blame culture and it's just just like derfed out and everybody like- Oh, it's fucking super handy. Isn't it easy? Everything is shut. It's Bob. We can put it on. But what you really miss, I think- if you're going to just lay it down is you, you miss your opportunity to progress. You miss the richer conversation. Mm-hmm. You, you miss the, you know, I've never read any of the hop stuff or whatever, but totally for me, you've, you've not sat around a table to say, 
okay, Bob did that. Have we ever seen that happen before? Oh, we see it all the time. Cool. How many accents do we have that are like that? Ah, oh, hundreds. Okay, cool. Um, commonality between them, root cause between them. Oh, this person does this work. They weren't competent. Oh, God. Okay, well, that's terrible. They shouldn't have done that work. They're not competent. What were our arrangements for bringing competent people in? How are they vetted? How do they get dished the job? What are our it stops a richer conversation where you say, damn, Bob, he's not on site anymore. Don't worry. And I really, really, are we going to remove it? Like you said, never, because it's convenient. It's cheap. It doesn't take too much time. Yep. And it's looking at an individual and saying it's all them. And it's taking zero accountability for all of the multitude of factors that really lead to a negative event. So it blocks profession. Uh, it- blocks progression and if you don't have those conversations the thing that really pisses me off is then you're not learning to stop it happening again there's always going to be another bob because you've left all those root causes underlying causes and the everything's just still there yeah and so i just i think it's a fool's errand like yes fine tell bob blacklist him whatever you want to do you're going to see this tenfold until you have a better conversation yeah. And I had um it's it it's that thing of oh we'll just sack Bob or whatever. But if Bob doesn't like if Bob doesn't feel comfortable in telling you what really happened, you're gonna learn fuck all anyway. Absolutely. So even if you keep Bob and discipline him or whatever, you're still not like you're you're not learning. Mm. Um I was Googling yesterday. Um, and I was like, do you know who, do you know who'll have something good to say on blame? Go on. Fucking Brene Brown, obviously. <laughs> I was like, love a bit of Brene. Brene. Yeah. Love a bit of Brene. So Brene says about blame. She says, blame is a discharging of comf- discomfort and pain. It has an inverse relationship with accountability. Blaming is a way to discharge anger and it's faster than accountability. And then she says, It's difficult to maintain relationships when you are a blamer, because when something goes wrong, we're too busy making connections as quickly as we can about whose fault it is. Instead of slowing down, listening and leaving enough space for empathy to arise. Yep. Yep. And yep. Like Brene Brown, empathy, relationships, listening. Like these are the things that we need to be leaning into in the safety profession, especially when things go wrong so that we can learn. And and for fuck's sake, poor Bob needs to be supported. Like this is the other thing. If if something has gone wrong, not like and and you know, if it's got to a level where it's it's an injury, so you have Bob who's in physical pain. Yeah. And then we're just kind of going, yeah, and and there's a fucking target on your back as well. Yeah. Because when he gets back to work, I'm telling Bob I think this is um, so interesting. So a piece of work started at one of my previous employees where it was as it was known in the business that if they if someone had had an accident, that was their fault. And I literally wrote as you were talking, fault versus reason. Like you can attribute, you say that's your mm. fault, but you don't leave any space to actually understand the reason that it happened. That's where the learning is. Um, and it was just a known practice that when people returned from accidents that were their fault, they would come in to a disciplinary sacking. That's just what would happen. 
Um, and I remember being like, okay, that achieves nothing. Absolutely nothing. And also the fact that I'm hearing this often means we're not really addressing the sort of cultural on the ground issue of why this stuff goes wrong all the time. Um, and you can Google a fairness decision tree or um, a sort of accent decision tree. And I got to work and I used somebody in my team. I said, right, go go out, use whatever's out there and tweak it to what this organization you, you think. And it was this was somebody who was really naturally empathetic really sort of on the ball, really into just human behavior, a natural interest. I said, go and go and make this ours. What do you think it should look like? And I'll share it. Um, I got it ready um, here. Let's see if you can see this. Can you see that? I can. So when we were talking about are you going to get rid of blame? And we talked about that tiny proportion of people that are sometimes malicious. You have to address it. That's a possibility. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like here, and this is like a stab of what we thought was right. I think every organization could do it a bit differently, but I loved that it was the deliberate harm test. Loved that. Like, did it happen on purpose? Were the actions intended? Yes. Uh, were, were the adverse outcomes of the activity or actions as they intended? Yes. Deliberate act of harm. Literally, I also love the bottom is decreasing individual account of responsibility, right? The further you go up or the further it wasn't just malice, you come away from it's not the individual's problem. It's our yeah. problem. Um, and then decreasing severity of possible disciplinary actions. So it's trying to pull them away from don't just discipline or sack for God's sake. Unless it's this end where it's like Bob hated Michael, Michael got it, right? <laughs> Michael got a hammer flung at him. <laughs> right. Unless it was that. And did it, you know, <laughs> was the consequence intended? Absolutely. He hated Michael. Yeah. You can't be here, right? Go to town with your individual accountability. Go to town with um taking somebody out of the organization that wants to hurt people. Fine. But also the foresight test, did they knowingly disregard or contravene safety policy procedures or standards? Let's actually start talking about whether we have equipped somebody, whether our policy is actually decent. Um, and then I really like one of my favorite things about this is the substitution test. Um, mm. And I won't go into the all the rest of it, but would someone else of equal experience, knowledge and competency do the task in the same way? That question is never asked. Ever. 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 Bob did a thing cool. Okay. Did he do it on purpose? Well, no. D- did he knowingly contravene any policies? I don't I don't think so. Cool. Would Bob's peer or any of his peers work in the same way? Yeah, we think so because we've had the accidents before. Okay. It's not his fault. And I also love that personal history. Did they have a, a history of working unsafely, not following procedures, coaching, training? Or Are they constantly in an office? No, no fault error. Mm. That's literally saying you got it wrong. That's saying you might have contravened something, but did you knowingly do that? Would somebody else have done it? Probably. Stop it. You can have a better conversation. Go on. And the thing is, if if somebody else would knowingly do it, yeah. if this outcome is now predictable with somebody else working, this, Bob was a trigger 
for something in the system. Yeah. You should be fucking thanking Bob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, so at the substitution test part, right. Would somebody of equal knowledge, experience or competency do the same thing? No. Mm. Are, it doesn't just say, ah, it's back to Bob then. It's like, are there deficiencies, including lack of corrective action in the supervision slash training for the activity? How often do we say, how often are you out the lads? How often are you seeing them? How often are you observing this? We, we still just go back to Bob, well, negligent error or system-induced error. We, we have to start asking the bigger questions. Yeah. Um, so I think there is, I mean, everyone will have their own version of doing this. This won't work for everybody. But I just think for me, that back to Bob, every single time we have to start asking different things. And if anyone does anything, I'll stop sharing. Unless you've got any thoughts on this. No, you've got, no, you're grand. Um, unless we start asking better questions, we're just going to end up at the firing of people, actually, uh, and bring, and paying more money to bring more people in and firing good people because yeah. we're not doing something. Even if you just ask one question, just one in the whole thing, would somebody of equal competence and experience do the same thing? Yeah. And don't just say, I don't think so. Look at your accidents. Have you had that type of accident before? Have you had that sort of incident before? If so, yeah. Yeah. It's there's not individual accountability right there. This is something that is wrong with the system. So with Yeah, I was um I was reading something on LinkedIn the other day. Uh there's this Aussie lad called uh Ben Hutchinson. And Ben fucking consumes safety science research at a rate of god knows what like eats this shit for breakfast lunch dinner but he <laughs> shared this thing the other day by um this guy called james reason mm-hmm. scientist dude whatever um i don't know if ben knows him because he refers to him as jim which i just i'm sure jim jim from down the road jim reason you know <laughs> married to mccarthy but he shared this thing anyway and it's it's like, where does blame come from? Yeah. And reason came up with this thing of like the three core pathologies that drive a cycle of blame. Mm. That was really interesting. The first one we visited on this podcast before with Britney Spears. It's the fundamental attribution error of they did that because they're a bad person or because they're fucking stupid. What if it was me? Well, it would be different. You know, like I'm cutting lanes and traffic because I'm late and I have somewhere to be. They're doing it because they're a prick. Yeah. The illusion of free will. Mm. Like this thing of remembering Bob is in a system. Yes. He is part of the system. And then you just decide to go off and do whatever and break his arm. And then that other thing of hindsight bias. So like past events appear more foreseeable than they actually are. We have all, we know what happened. So we can look back and go, fuck's sake, Bob, that was blatantly obvious. Except that in that time, it wasn't obvious to Bob. Yeah. Because if it fucking was, he wouldn't have done the thing. Because people do not get hurt intentionally. This is this whole thing about proper learning from incidents as well. Think about where you share that. Because it's only, you might, if you feel really informed as a safety team about what's happening and why, that's great. That has you lovely, right? If your workforce cannot learn from failure... You have not told the right people. If they do not understand, ah, I do remember this. Somebody had an accident because they worked in that particular way. I don't want to do that. 
I mean, that's having to put down the complicated. Obviously, you wouldn't have fixed anything to be back in that position again. But yeah, but still. But still, right? You should be sharing the learning, the what happened, the truth about what really happened and fell over with as many people as possible. Because hindsight is wonderful, but only if you have it. Yeah. Oh, and then the other thing is when you like write up your incident report or whatever you want to call it and you're getting ready to do your safety alert go back to bob and have him read it and be like is this what happened because a lot of times bob will go fuck no you have you have cleaned that right up you have changed all this stuff you have changed the store you've sanitized it because what if somebody else like <laughs> remember i had this safety alert and i was going putting it up in the canteens in the side sheds on these construction sites and then one of the site managers was like, oh, yeah, we actually have clients coming later, though. So let's just take that down because we don't want them seeing it. And it's like, oh, that's great for learning, isn't it? Now, that's, isn't that good? It, it isn't should that fab. be a point of pride, which is like, we do not. And I, I don't know how to say this in any other way. When something happens, there is a moral imperative to get under it because mm-hmm. it has happened. And if, if you're not, it shouldn't be something you're ashamed of. It should actually be something you're proud that you are that open and transparent to say, we messed up. This was mm-hmm. our learning point. We need as many people to understand as possible. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, drives me bonkers. Drives me absolutely bonkers. I think um, one of the coolest things I was talking to um, a, a lady that works for me at the moment about what's going to be coming in the future. And we were talking about, Typically, we re- we react to things that happen like now, today, we investigate them, we do good things. But there is always, always in every organization, long-standing trends, things that we're just comfortable with. Yeah, of course, we have slip strips and falls. We work in this environment. Yeah, we have that type of Of course we do. We drive loads. And we just sort of get comfy with that stuff. And if it goes really, really wrong and it's sort of out of the norm, we get really interested. Whereas... Uh, the last organization that I worked with, I was like, no, I'm interested in the what's happened. I'm interested in learning from the trend, not just investigating the incident, but the trend. And there was a big incident of slip strips and falls. And I was like, well, can we get 10 people together? They've had slip strips and falls, play their incidents back to them and say, what does today look? What did that day look like? What were the mm-hmm. commonalities? See them chime off each other. We might get nothing, right? We might just be a dead duck. But we might really get some stuff in the room about, oh, that happened to me. Or, yeah, that was the type of environment that it was. Or this is what the day looked like. Or we might just see something in the reality of their days. And this massive conversation sparked about hazards. And, well, it was a, oh, God, I'll never forget hearing about it. There was a, a gentleman that nearly drowned. Mm. He was walking through a field and it was with a trainee. And he fell into a sinkhole but with all his gear so jesus christ to the bottom terrifying because his trainee was there his trainee was able to drag him out and he said had the trainee not been there that would have been it um because there's no way with all of his kit and his boots and stuff that he he was getting out of the sinkhole and they were like how do you then because this is the conversation then sparked right do you remember that time and do you remember when barry and do you remember and the sinkhole thing came up like, how do we tell somebody when they go to that thing? That's there's there. a fucking murderous sinkhole there. 
Yep. And it's only their part of the year, but it is their part of the year. So it sparked this whole thing about hazards and um, how do you tell the next person coming? And, how you know, because it's anyone in a pool of like 100 people going to any potential fault anywhere. How do you do it? And just through this conversation, Ellie, so I, I can't tell you the riches that came from it. It's like, oh, okay, how do we use the notes in the back of this tour when you have a job pinned to you? Can we geotag and use something to geotag um, hazards for the next person? And from all this mushrooming, we ended up using what three words to not only geotag faults, so somebody knew specifically where to get it, but also geotag hazards to be like, this is a hazard that's near this thing. It's in this what three words space, so three meters square, you know exactly where it is. And it came from them being like, I wonder if we could and what could happen and what three words reaching out. And I said, I don't know how these things come together. I don't know technology enough, but I have this problem and you have that technology. Like what, what could we do? And then it went amazingly well after I'd left, I saw smash up on a screen, open reach go. Cause we started all the conversations and we li- started linking it together and mapping the processes. I was like, I wonder if this will drive all the way through. Now I've gone and it landed on LinkedIn. And it was like using what three words to geotag uh, faults and hazards. And, and I was just like, but that came from 10 people in a room being like, yeah, well, isn't it really annoying though? That it's the same thing everyone trips on. You'll go back to the, you know, the place where we all have a cuppa and someone's like, oh, you tripped on the thing. Oh, I did that last time. Oh. And you're like, oh, okay, so this is, we have commonality in all of these stories from these random people all over the country. This this is something we can learn from. So I also think the minute you take the blame out of it, which is like you 10 people had an accident, it's your bad and you all got disciplined because of it, it isn't. Did investigations into the individual points, pull them back in and say, what didn't we see? By looking at this one by one, what didn't we see? Don't see loads. Um, and I think... That is the difference between blocking conversation with things like blame and everyone feeling ashamed of what's happened rather than, yeah, that call that did happen to me. Let's chat about it. Mm. So, yeah, I think it can unlock if you're doing it properly and you're working with somebody with empathy, as you mentioned, you can just, there's so much riches to come out of it. So much learning and so much bloody, so many accidents in the future just won't happen yeah so, which is what we're supposed to be here for mm. um just to flip it slightly go on eight eight minutes to go um <laughs> whenever i think of this or oh, empathy and blame fixes nothing and and all of that good stuff it's very much like in my mind's eye is is the people doing the work the front line mm-hmm. all that jazz yeah you turn that lens and aim it back up the hierarchy. I find it a lot more difficult to be as empathetic. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. Talk to me. Um, Like, so for instance, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day. I shared it on LinkedIn. It's about the UK post office scandal. Um, Have you heard about it? No. Yeah, your post office are pricks uh, for like fucking 20 years. They just, long story short, they put in this tech system. It wouldn't balance the accounts properly. And they sent a load of postmasters to fucking jail. 
and wouldn't believe them when they were like, I'm balancing my sheets right, your system's wrong. <gasps> Tell you, it's three episodes. It's unreal. Your man, Sean Brady, got the Irish guy living in Queensland is stuck on it as well. It's so good. But it's so it's it goes through the system, but it also fairly clearly lays out the people who knew and the people who I suppose it does come back to this thing of 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 choice. They were choosing to fuck people over. Yeah. And like, does blame not fix anything here? Um, and there was another actually Sean Brady as well has another podcast, uh Brady Haywood podcast, I think, but it's about the Pike River mine disaster in New Zealand. Mm. Another kind of three episode series. Oh, so good. But like obviously horrendous story, but the production is really good. But like the failures that led to that, when I'm listening to it, I'm like fucking screaming at the radio because I'm like, you pricks, this is because of decisions made by actual people and then people died. So like, so then when it's like blame fixes nothing, I'm like, no, but it sure as fuck feels good. And I am directing it straight at certain people. I can't let it go. That Brené thing where she said about it, it's about um, what you're throwing out is anger. Because actually, everything in me, so I hear that, and I wrote down something here about accountability, and I remember saying this on a PM call about you have to understand the word ability is in the word accountability, right? Yeah. And I put, being held to account for what was within your gift to control or execute. Yeah. And when you think about those... um, those executives that let people go to prison and that knew something was wrong. It was within their gift to control. It was within their gift to execute a different outcome for people, but they chose themselves. Mm. And actually, even if you go that accountability, that sort of fairness decision tree, did they know what was going to happen? Was it an intended consequence? Did they absolutely make a decision that was just right down there, right? Scumbags, left-hand side, Please mm. go straight to jail and do not pass go. Um, <laughs> straight to jail. Straight to jail. Do not pass go. And yeah. I think we see that. Um, I mean, it's why we had like held a free enterprise, and it ended up shaping the um, corporate manslaughter act, right? Because they couldn't hold the board accountable, even though they know they couldn't put it on any one person. They made collective decisions that failed and killed an awful lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I think we try to pick up on these things and change even bits of legislation that are saying, we know that sometimes we can't hold you individually accountable because you'll make collective decisions to make a dirty decision. And if you are seen to be making a dirty decision, we're coming for you. Mm. But like the other thing is like accountability. I also struggle with the phrase holding someone to account. You can't put accountability on someone. You can punish people. But you can't put like, I will either stand up and be accountable for my actions or I won't. You can't make me be accountable. You can support me to be accountable. It's that ability bit that I think that's where... I don't think you can go back and go, I'm going to hold you to account. It's like, fuck off. No, you're not. You know what? I think that's where the phrase holding comes from. In my mind, I have a picture of you being like, nope, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> doing it. And if we go back to that being held. So held accountable for what was within your gift, mm. I could say you had everything you needed for a good outcome today. 
and you completely disregarded all of that and you're like well I don't want all oh, the defensibility comes whatever mm. I think the holding to account is in my head a metaphorical by the arms against a wall to be like you could have done something differently and even if you do not want to openly say yeah fine I didn't have to send those postal workers to prison I am telling you it was within mm. your gift to do something different so I am saying to you 100 percent I'm holding you to account, even if you will not hold yourself to account. I think, but that's blame. And which is different because, and, and like, there was another thing I, I had read. It was this thing of like accountability covers the future and, and like how you'll improve moving forward. And again, because I will take accountability. If I've done something wrong, I will take accountability and I will say to you, this is how I will improve. This is how I'll do things differently now. That's different to blame. And blame is you didn't fucking do the right thing and I am going to punish you for it. But I suppose- and, the, and the clock is running down and I'm like, oh, we were only just now getting into the fucking... The, the, I, I, what are words? I, I think the, the bit about not covers the future. I think the step... I think the reality is step one is making somebody making it safe for somebody to hold themselves to account to say yes yeah. I was for that I could do something different but step 2 is then what do you do with that so mm-hmm. the very small example of getting a load of people in a field that have uh, in in a room that slipped over and we're all just saying you know was it within your gift to do something different no like, it can't control the <laughs> weather can't control the outside can't control sinkholes it's not within my gift so actually let's have a conversation um you kind of have to take once you've got everyone taking account for their own actions and we're quite happy to say sometimes it's not somebody's fault, it is the fault of millions of things, you still have to then take all that information and move forward with it. How do you learn from it? You know, in that room, we did some great learning. Nobody was accountable for any of the accidents that they had happened, that had happened to them. They were all environmental, right? They all just happened because of what was around them or what the day looked like. We were able to move forward because we were just like, that's okay. You know, it's okay just to be like, you couldn't help any of these things, but can we learn something from them anyway? I I think it's step one. I think, yeah, it's a hard one. Accountability covers the future. I guess it divvies up. It divvies up the difficult conversation of what happened. And it also starts to share out, I think, the many, many strands that go to an accident say, actually, Something's happened. It's not just Bob, but this is a real big piece of twine and there's a fibre in your hand. There's a fibre in your hand. Some of it's just the day. Some of it's the weather. Some of it's me. Some of it's my process. We all made this happen. We're all accountable. That's all fine. What are you going to do now, though? There has Mm. to be a next and there has to be appetite for next. Yeah. Mm, And next cannot be the same as the other shit you've done before. We should do a part two. Listen, we want to wrap it up. Um, thank you again for joining us. Uh, next topic. Mm, um, mm, do you know what? It's going to be a surprise <laughs> because we haven't picked it yet. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been lovely. Bye. Bye.